And welcome to Jaffa Takes, this the rewatch podcast where we rewatch Stargate and we rewatch an episode where uh, Quark is in it, but he, he's like different somehow this time, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> joining me this week, we have Eric, Cree, Kavika, Cree, everybody, and M, Cree. Uh, I'm glad we're all on the same Reluctantly. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're honestly, all, I just uh, wanted to see if anyone else would follow me. I, you're you're a leader of men, Eric. Like you, you just people where, wherever you go, people you're 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 a first prime of sorts, you might say, um, <laughs> in this uh, Jaffa uh, squad that we have going on here. Um, so this is uh, season one, episode seven or eight or twelve, 12. the Knox. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, Kavika, you did mention that you watched it on the DVDs and that this episode is placed later in the season on there, which is weird. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we we were talking about it a little bit offline, but uh, there's like parts uh, of there's stuff in this episode that is kind of a, a breadcrumb that leads into like a thing that is going to be part of episode. 11 of this season, which is called The Torment of Tantalus, and if the Nox plays after that, uh, you can't possibly catch that hint or figure something out in that episode. Uh, we'll, we'll mention that when we get to that episode. Uh, I, I, I'm being all mysterious if you haven't watched the show before, but uh, this episode, The Nox, is weirdly enough, like, it's, it's kind of a, a linchpin episode in this season because, like, it doesn't appear so at first glance but it kind of like launches a whole thing like the the the, the Nox do come back in 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 stargate lore after this point and they show up a couple more times and they're they're like they're they're not the main part of the the lore that they're like the first thing we see of that i'm i'm really like messing up my sentence i'm putting too many words in it but uh <laughs> I, I despise how important these annoying space elves are yeah they're they're important but in a kind of unimportant way because they don't show back up that much. They're they're, they're like not, three they're episodes. They're very common, but they're common yeah. just enough to come back and remind you how annoying they are. Yeah, and <laughs> just enough that people always keep them in, in the back of their minds as like, oh, the Nox is one important Stargate race, even though as 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 uh, as applies to their character as seen in this episode they really stay out of the spotlight and are never actually super important uh, except the couple more times that they will show up after this point um but enough they make enough of, of an impression that apparently in the stargate uh tabletop rpg they're one of the playable no they're not one of the playable races cuz there was like some kind of weird controversy where mgm wouldn't let people be able to play as a nox in their uh, 
pen and paper, and they, they like the writers had to make up a suspiciously similar alien species to the Nox that weren't the Nox that you could play as. It's it's a weird whole thing, anyway. That is that is I mean, fairly bizarre. You definitely couldn't play yeah. the Nox in a TTRPG. They yeah, because like they're passive. They wouldn't do anything. You could, you could not play them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're too ancient and too important to be a player character, I guess. Uh, something oh, like that. Oh, so they're druids. Yeah, they're druids. They're elves. They're like the complete possible opposite of the Ferengi. In is another way we could yeah, use yeah. to, I <laughs> to describe that them. They're actually the druids that Spinal Tap sang about from Stonehenge. Which oh, itself yeah. may have been a marker of a star. Oh, you're you know what? That sounds exactly like the kind of bullshit an EU novel or some <laughs> fanfic would have made up. Because uh, I, I don't know. Wait. Uh, well, the closest I think thing that might is actually that ancient thing. Yeah, the, the, that's the other thing is we do get uh, a wrap up on what is Arthurian myth in the Stargate universe way over in season nine. And that's a whole thing. And you might extrapolate from there that Stonehenge is also related to that because it's in England and everything. Uh, or is it in Wales or something? I don't want to like... It's in, step it's in Scotland. Over it. It's in Scotland. So I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to any UK listeners, or especially Scots, for yeah, mi- yeah. Uh, for messing that up. Um, <laughs> As an American, I'm offended by your lack of geography knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know, British Columbia and Colorado are exactly the same thing. As mentioned, or Montreal and New York. Um, reference to a conversation we had off mic which would make no sense to the listeners uh, <laughs> I was going um, to make a joke that British Columbia is somewhere in South America but now I'm worried it's yeah. actually in Central America and I'm going to look like an idiot <laughs> no it's in Western Canada that's where Vancouver is <laughs> he, he, he was making a joke about the country Columbia yeah no I get that I, mean, <laughs> okay, I, I just I googled know that it co- and it says country in South America so I'm good Columbia is British Columbia is a province. Anyway, this this has been. I, I'm I'm gonna have to have like a minute of Canadian education at the beginning of this podcast, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, I have a, like a, a a little bit of news uh, to cover. It's not really news, but anyway, uh, before we started this episode, uh, as I was uh, turning on Prime Video to watch this episode, I it hit me with a little warning saying that uh, Stargate SG-1 was leaving the MGM, like, because there's like an MGM package you can get on top of Amazon Prime in Canada, which is where Stargate lives. Um, and like, it says it's going to leave that on June 30th, and it doesn't say if that means it's just going to go on regular Prime Video at that point or anything, or if it's just going to not go anywhere. So, I don't <laughs> know. By the time you listen to this episode, uh, that's already going to have happened, and hopefully we'll have figured out... Uh, a different way of uh, for people to watch along. If you live in Canada, uh, if we're lucky, it's only just going to move everything to Prime Video. I, I say lucky in heavy, uh, sarcastic quotation marks because, you know, Amazon is a horrible uh, mega corporation and uh, shouldn't be supported. Uh, but they do own MGM and, by extension, the Star- Stargate franchise as of, like, April. And July 1st is the start of the new fiscal quarter, so it would make sense for that to be the time where everything gets moved over there which might also affect where it is where it lives in the u.s uh but we'll know more once we're in july which is uh like still five days away from when we're recording this so we don't know 
uh, so we're going next week, I guess. We're going to do the ne- we're going to do the rest of the episode episodes now before then. So right, we're going to do fifty yeah, we're, fifty three episodes just a day cover in the next four we're, days. We're, yeah, we're going to be extremely <laughs> tired by the time we get to the SGU finale. But uh, that's, that's that's the that's the job of a podcaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Knox, which is an episode of Stargate SG One in season one, uh, opens. Uh, at the SGC with them opening the Stargate with a visiting dignitary, uh, the, the Secretary of Defense, uh, who is named David something. Uh, his title is too long for Amazon Prime to give me his full name, but he's <laughs> not the real Secretary of Defense that was there in 97, which is like, uh, like I say that and you, you think, obviously it's not the real Secretary of Defense. Like, that's dumb. Why would he be on there? But, Actually, this is exactly the kind of cameo that they would tend to have on Stargate. Like, especially in later seasons, you'd get like an Air Force general show up as themselves and on the show. Um, so I had to look it up in case, just in case this was the, the SOD under Clinton. It's not, it's a fictional one. Uh, but he's there visiting the SGC. Um, and uh, looking at what they do, basically, and uh, they're in the the control room, and they're explaining to him, like uh, they're launching, they're opening a Stargate uh, to open for a mission that SG five is going on to planet P three C one one seven, which we're never going to see, obviously, because that's not what this episode is about. Um, I admire your commitment to writing down all of the P three numbers for all the planets. <laughs> oh yeah, I uh, yeah I have to make a confession. I happened to pause it while the subtitles had the, the name of the planet listed, so I was. Just reading off my screen uh, I wouldn't have cared enough to know to write it down uh, otherwise so uh, Secretary of Defense is uh, doing the rotating role of being a Pentagon stooge who comes over and shits all over what they're doing and says he's not impressed with their work and whatever and he wants to shut everything down uh, once again because no one at the Pentagon is ever nice to uh, this lovely program that spends billions of dollars every year and uh, sends people over to space to fight aliens. Um, but he's saying basically, yeah, uh, we're like kind of pissed because you've not, you're not bringing anything back that is worth anything to Earth, uh, which I just want to point out, this is the seventh episode of the, of the series. It's been, <laughs> it aired on August 29th, 1997. Uh, the... <laughs> No, sorry, September 12th, 1997. Um, the, the pilot episode aired on July 27th, so it's been a month and change since they've been back from <laughs> Chulak, and he's like whining that uh, they haven't brought anything back. And I made myself a little list of all the stuff we've seen in that time that apparently he doesn't think are good enough, so here we go. They have two staff weapons, uh, one of which is from the Jaffa that died in the pilot, the other is Tilks. Um, they have that one dead Jaffa that they found, and we don't know what happened to his gold. It's never stated, so it might just be in someone. We don't know. Uh, there's Tilk, who, of course, they did try to get their hands on, but he proved himself an ally enough that he uh, gained the protection of the SGC and the president. Um, so I guess they can't do anything with him. Uh, they have the one dead deflated gold from Kowalski. Uh, they have that fantastic Mogul medicine that's, that was worth um, selling Carter into slavery for. Uh, they, they found that caveman virus plus the cure for it, which is, of course, allergy, allergy medication. You would think maybe uh, some kind <laughs> of medical research could benefit from that. Uh, they found a whole Benadryl. bunch of cool... Yeah. 
they, they, they found a whole bunch of cool bulls on that same planet uh, that Daniel was really excited about, and he tried to sell them on that, and apparently Bill Clinton was in agreement with this because he said, hey, yeah, cultural findings are actually worth it. Uh, and the president, of course, uh, tends to uh, have authority over the Secretary of Defense, though you might not know it, uh, thinking of uh, what the president is doing these days in real life. Um, there's the orange sky device from, of course, the planet where the sun is bad, where the guy went crazy. Now, uh, technically, they don't have the orange sky device. They, they don't they have it. They there so the people didn't die. They don't have it, but <laughs> Carter did hook up like a voltmeter to it so she could uh, figure out how it works. If that was an oscilloscope. <laughs> an oscilloscope, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not an electrician. You're right. Um, <laughs> and they, of course, found the Unity, which is, which is these shape-shifting crystals that produce energy and go radioactive sometimes. Uh, they are essential life forms, so, you know, obvious uh, ethical implications in using them as technology. Not that the Pentagon ever, ever cared about anything like that. Uh, they are like a wholly, completely different new kind of life uh, that can mimic any human down to copying their memories, uh, even though it doesn't act perfectly as them. Uh, so basically all this to say, uh, get bent, Secretary of Defense, like it's I been mean, a month and we have this much already. So that's the weird thing, is that they mm -hmm. have, have they, I've, does he bring up how much it costs them? I don't, in, not this in this one. one. I, that, okay. That, that's yeah, later that, on. That comes up in in, in uh, politics, which is like yeah, uh, yeah. later the season. Um, like like for real, a month in military American military time. Yeah, is oh, it's it's, is a it's clearly <laughs> yeah, it's 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 clearly over a billion dollars they've spent in this place so far. Um, but uh, he's not satisfied because, of course. It's the Clinton years, and military spending is bad, and the government doesn't like it for some reason, uh, which is completely alien to anyone who started paying attention to politics anytime after 9-11. <laughs> but there you go. Apparently, that was a common enough view back then that it could form the basis of an episode of sci-fi TV. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I also like the implication that they have these staff weapons, and the Pentagon thinks they just suck, and they're not worth anything, even though, you know... You have laser shooting things right now that can be used to blow stuff up, and you don't even want that. You think that's worthless. Like, yeah, okay, a staff, a staff weapon by itself is maybe not as efficient as just shooting a gun, but you might think uh, you have engineers over there doing some R&D and figure out. how to put that laser on something with sights, and you know, you're <laughs> yeah. doing a lot better. Right? Developing. It, like, you have weapons manufacturers that can do shit with that. Uh you know, you have cops that uh, you want to give unlimited budget and weapons to to uh, suppress uh, civil rights with. So you could do stuff with that, I guess. Uh, I guess that doesn't count because he doesn't even mention it. Uh, he's not impressed. And which is when Teal <laughs> uh, decides he's, uh, he's going to volunteer some information that will help them uh, make their case for the SGC. Uh, he's heard of this planet that the, where there's a big buzzy invisible bug that the gold go over to uh, hunt sometimes because they're like they've they've never actually managed to catch one uh <laughs> but uh that's been apparently a big project of, of apophysis um and he once uh killed two of tilk's jaffa for failing to capture one so he really cares about that stuff and wouldn't be it be nice if they could go over there and get one and like if Why they could not be killed before? for failing 
They were going to dissect Teal'c for not giving them any useful <laughs> intel. And he's yeah, just right? been sitting on this for the whole yeah, month. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he just had that one in his sleeve for like a, a hail mary. <laughs> uh, I guess he's like, well, you know, they're invisible and they're real fast. They're hard to catch. I don't want to bother going back there. It sucked. But yeah, good point. Um, so they make the case to the Secretary of Defense that uh, if they can catch this thing, they can figure out some, some some stealth tech and equip their guys with it, and that would be good um, for planes and invisible soldiers and shit on Earth. I mean, so n- no, it's like <laughs> we we have chameleons on Earth. We we can't just build something that does that. Uh huh. Yeah, you're right because they they do think that it's just something that this animal does. Uh, but though, to be fair, like, well, okay, we do know that it's not even the animal doing this, and also, like, it, it looks a fair bit more convincing than, than a chameleon changing colors. It's just, it becomes, you know, like the Metal Gear stealth camouflage thing where you're invisible, but it just kind of distorts, uh, the view, like you're yeah, some kind of like, weird lens. At the moment, they're operating on the assumption that the animal does this themselves, and right. it's like, oh, that's. Probably not something you could replicate with technology. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe not. But but at least if they capture one alive, they think they can study the animal and figure out the physical um, process behind what it does and maybe then work on producing some technology that achieves the same physical effect. Um, if, if they, cap- they capture one, they can just hold it over Apophis like, Neener, Neener, we did this and you couldn't. I was hoping they get <laughs> yeah. there and find out it was just an octopus. <laughs> yeah, those octopi are real good at that stuff. If you've never seen a camouflaging octopus, look that up on YouTube. Uh, it's kind of freaky. Plus, keep in mind, underwater, even harder to see clearly. So, yeah, they're good at that. They, they should just, like, go to an aquarium and grab one and study that. Um, anyway, that's that conversation is all it takes for a quick... Uh, transition through the Stargate wormhole effect, and we're now on this unnamed Nox planet, um, which, of course, is yet another Vancouver planet. Uh, Before we go too far, I want to make one yep. complaint about this episode. Uh-huh. One extra complaint about this episode. Yeah. Jack makes zero predator jokes. He is a soldier being sent to hunt oh, yeah. an invisible alien, and he never right? once makes a predator joke. Yeah, you're right. Ja- Jack's... Uh, uh, well, we know he doesn't like sci-fi, which is why he doesn't often make Star Wars jokes. Uh, that's more of a... He does eventually make some, but... Um, so maybe he's just like, he's not interested in the Predator, because it's it's not... It's too recent, because it's only like 10 years old at this point, and he's like a middle-aged man, so he's more into like Wizard of Oz and I Love Lucy references, weirdly enough. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he had a prime opportunity for an... Oh, I didn't have time to bleed anyways joke. Yeah. That that doesn't uh that doesn't happen in this one. Um uh, It's of not course, uh maybe he only watches Air Force stuff, so mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Maybe he does and that's a marine movie, right? Um Anyway, uh, Predator is. is not the biggest uh, point of reference for this episode. This w- this episode is, once again, an almost exact copy of a Star Trek episode. Uh, it's a TOS episode this time called Errand of Mercy, uh, which is basically the exact same plot as this episode, but replaced Gould with Klingons and Nox with some uh, rural community-looking people on a planet that live, uh, like... 
sorry, uh, they, they, they live in like houses and huts and stuff and look completely defenseless. And the Enterprise wants to protect them from the Klingons. And it turns out, oh, they have high technology. They just hide it. Uh, basically, the same plot as this. Um, so if you've seen that, that's, yeah, that's uh second time they've basically recycled the Star Trek plot and third time they recycled an anything plot, if you count. Uh, uh, Heart of Darkness for that one episode. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the third. This is the third Star Trek plot. We. Oh yeah, it's, we had na- yeah. we had a naked naked time. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Code yeah, of Honor divide. and and yeah, and yeah, yeah. Aaron of Mercy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for some reason, like the rest of SG One uh, went over to hide. I guess they 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 heard one of those bugs as they as soon as they got through the Stargate because they went to look for it and like Jack. Uh, walked out of the Stargate and no one was in front of him, and so it's it's weird because <laughs> he thinks for a second they they've disappeared, but they're just like right behind the Stargate actually. Um, but uh, yeah, they just uh, nothing else happen happens is this call open. It's uh, it's weird. Oh wait, yeah. no, yeah, the, the last thing that happens is they walk away a little bit and then turn around and whoops, the whole Stargate has disappeared now. Uh, so which is a problem. <laughs> so, so the, yeah go ahead i mean i don't know this is like kind of escape room stuff to me like i would mm-hmm. just walk to where it used to be uh-huh. and maybe poke around with the stick yeah you might think that like <laughs> we don't we don't know what would happen because they don't try that on the episode <laughs> they but, might find the gate but like trying yeah. to dial the dhd blind that would be that yeah. could be bad that would be that would be hard. Also, we don't actually know the extent of Knox technology. It could go farther than this and make it like impossible to touch or anything. Um, it could be like recording well, it or some shit. Yeah, I mean, they, at one point in the end of the episode, it looks like it teleports, which mm-hmm. confused me because they keep talking about invisibility. Yeah, I mean, they they, they talk about invisibility, but the, the the main point is the Nox are basically sufficiently advanced aliens that can like their technology is uh, indecipherable in in some way, and they can just like manipulate your perception and in whatever way uh, they feel like. So it it's like the 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 point is kind of moot. Like we do see them walking back towards where it is, and for all we know, they went right over where it was and couldn't touch it. So maybe it maybe it was also made intangible, like it 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 fell out of phase or something, which is a reference to a later Stargate episode. Um, basically, yeah. Uh, so uh, shit's bad now. We don't have a Stargate anymore, and they figure, well, nothing to do but look around now. Um, and by the way, they went to that planet with nothing but their dart guns, apparently. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have the, no, they have a hook. They have the cart. They have the cart full of gear. Oh, yeah, they, they have the cart full of gear, but it, it's it's disappeared now. You're right. So they only yeah. have what they had on their person, which was the dart guns uh, that they brought to tranquilize these invisible bugs. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Jack and Daniel are walking around and they hear a, a big loud buzzing and they see a big old blurry shape in the air, which uh, <laughs> which is a real economic way of having an alien creature on your TV show, making it invisible, uh, doesn't c- cost much in... Uh, in special effects, but uh, right as Jack has it dead to rights with the with his dart gun, uh, you see a staff weapon shot go through the air, and uh, 
from off in the distance and uh, Jack assumes that, that that was Teal and he shot at it like a big dumb idiot and he, so Teal says nope that wasn't me he talks over his walkie talkie and uh, so they look over to the side and who's there our old pal Apophis is there with his close personal guard of Jaffa he went like on I guess a personal hunt for this thing uh, it's the first Teal's- time we've, he's been back on the show since the pilot yeah, it is. So it's like this is another way. This is like a a cool, important episode for this season. Is uh, we kind of like this is kind of a link in the whole Apophis plot. I guess this is what he's been up to. Uh, he's gonna show up like I think one more time over the season before he's back for the the season finale. Um, but it's cool that they just bring in the big bad for actually to be the villain in uh, you know uh, Planet of the Week episode kind of. Uh, it's nice because uh, we, you know, we don't have they—they they don't have to do much to establish this villain. It's just one we already know. He's right there. Um, so they immediately come up with, okay, new plan. We have dark, we have dart guns. We have dart we, guns. <laughs> we we don't have a Stargate, but Apophis is here. So let's fucking dart Apophis and like then figure out the Stargate problem. Then just like bring him home and we'll have gay like a massive uh, prisoner. Like fuck the fuck the invisible bug at this point. Seriously, we can just capture Apophis. That's gonna solve a whole bunch of problems. And I'm pretty sure the Secretary of Defense is gonna be happy then. Um, <laughs> I mean that's the big like that's that was that's kind of the reason why they're sent out why why they have the program in the first place. Right. Like it is it is like the secondary objective is to explore but the mm-hmm. primary objective is to explore and find things to defend themselves against the Goa'uld. Yeah, Specifically they have the this goal. one. Yeah, they have the goal right there and they figure well we have something to defend ourselves against him. It's called uh uh, sorry, it's called tranquilizers in a dart. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I want to draw attention to how they highlight that. Oh yeah, he's he only he's only going to have two or three guards, and I'm like, oh, why the yeah. hell is like the immortal <laughs> god emperor of like a sec of a large chunk of the galaxy traveling around with three guards? <laughs> just hiking with the boys yeah yeah that's this is like a hunting party it's this is extremely framed as lord noble Avon for sure going on his fox hunt with his cadre of friends and like on his horse and letting his his underlings actually do the killing while he's just like drinking wine and sitting on his horse um also maybe he like He's kind of afraid of the invisible bugs, and he doesn't want too many people to know because he did kill these other two Jaffa for failing to capture one. Because, like, in the next scene, you see him, like, kind of looking around in the forest, and you can kind of see fear in his eyes because he's probably also figured out that the Stargate is gone now, and he's kind of worried. Um, and, like, uh, the invisible bugs might fuck him up. He doesn't know. Because uh, we all know the gold are actually little whiny piss babies once you take away their <laughs> like he, uh, power he's base. Worried about, he's worried about being stuck on this shithole for like the like yeah. several years it's going to take for a ship to get here. Yep. So, he's uh, worried that everyone back at his home base is going to have too much fun while he's gone and they're just going <laughs> to close the gate. Yeah, no, he let he let he left him on it and uh Chlorel in charge, presumably. Uh Chlorel hasn't been named yet, but that's the name of uh, the gold that's in Skara. Um <clears throat> uh, yeah, so uh, yes, he, he left his two newborn he left the two newborns in charge. Yeah, his wife and his kid. 
basically it's that's nepotism for you um <laughs> so uh yeah it's, they they have uh his new first prime shackle goes forward like touches the ground uh to because they there's tracks and stuff and they're all like kind of just waiting and whoop teal <laughs> pops out of the trees and start starts shooting at them next to them and not misses. at them sorry and misses yeah, misses. Teal, Very you, close you range. Think, <laughs> you would think he would at least like nail one of the Jaffa there, but nope. Uh, the rest of SG-1 is hiding up in the rocks and in the tree roots and stuff. They shoot at them. None of them hit a bead on any of them. I guess, uh, I don't I don't think we even see Shackle get shot, but presumably Shackle does get shot here because we know he dies. Um, this is but, an uh, extremely 90s TV fight. It's, oh yeah, yeah. He's just, just bang, 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 shooting. No one gets hurt. No one gets hit. Uh, I will the, say. Until they I will all say. Die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say that that four nineties. Oh no, uh, Shackle gets shot. There he goes. Okay, Teal I gets missed him. Yeah, yeah uh, Teal got him right there at the after end. the other after the other three went down. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like a, a spite kill, I guess. The the, I mean, if we're to, if we compare it to to other shows, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it is. It is still kind of low budget, but it is definitely not uh, uh, four a.m. Uh, Cleopatra twenty five twenty five right uh, levels <laughs> of Gina uh, Torres of is Cleopatra. Um, <laughs> she is not. No. Um, oh, she's not. But she's in that show. That's all. That's the only yes. thing I know about it. That that was her role before Firefly. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, the other thing is, like, yeah, uh, this, this goes bad, and there are consequences, all, actually, because, uh, like, you see O'Neill pop up from where, wherever he was hiding, gets a beat on Apophis with his dart gun, Apophis sees him and, like, hits a button on his wrist, and whoop, a personal shield pops up, which blocks the dart. Uh, then he yells at one of his Jaffa, throws him a staff. Uh, O'Neill tries to shoot him with this pistol, also blocked by the shield, and Apophis just straight up fucking murders O'Neill with a staff weapon right there. Uh, Shoots and, him. You know, respect to Apophis for actually, you know, I would not expect him to know how to fire one of the guns. No, yeah, he, he knows enough to do that, and he doesn't fuck around. He, he fucking kills him. Uh, it goes into slow-mo, and we get a, uh, a close-up of his smoking dead body to really underline <laughs> it. Uh, no fakery here. Uh, everyone freaks out, of course. Uh, Carter very uh, tactically yells, Colonel, and leaps out of her hiding spot, only for Apophis to also shoot her. Um, and Daniel then like tries to run away, but he also gets nailed, uh, which, by the way... <laughs> You know, remember that counter that I started back in the movie? Add one over there, because Daniel just died again, second time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, as mentioned, uh, Teal uh, goes kind of berserk mode, shoots Shackle dead, and then like tries to hit Apophis a couple times with his staff weapon. Once again, personal shield impenetrable, apparently. Um, doesn't do anything. Teal just stands there in front of him, uh, he looks at his dead comrades sadly, and then he just like does the, does the thing you do in that situation, which is look Apophis right in the eyes and like tell him to go fuck himself, basically <laughs> in a gold language. But he t- translates for us what he says is "I die free," and then Apophis is about to shoot him, but he does the mistake of looking to the other corpses before he does that, and by the time he looks back at Teal, there's no one there. Uh, he seems to be all alone in the woods with his two remaining uh, living Jaffa. And everyone who died, plus Teal'c, has now vanished. Um, 
And like, you know how I said Daniel just died. Uh, it doesn't last very long because the uh, very next cut, we see Daniel waking up with uh, an intact chest with a hole in his shirt because uh, <laughs> he just got better now. Um, he wakes up. He walks around. He's in some kind of a little hut. He finds uh, Carter, who's uh, also laying down there unconscious. He, he sees the hole in her shirt. He like kind of feels into it and stuff. She wakes up. Doesn't like that he's like kind of touching her belly there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, go don't, like, ah. don't touch your un- don't touch your unconscious coworkers like that. That's, that's not cool, <laughs> <Yeah>. Daniel. <laughs> but, but to be fair, you, you know, this one time it was a medical concern because you know they a- were oh, all shit. dead. <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah uh, they all wake up Daniel says "Uh, weren't we dead (laughs) like Daniel says and how do you know that you know what I mean how do you know Daniel's been dead before Daniel I mean Daniel yes (laughs) but like how does how does how can you just be like didn't I just that she was dead and it's like all "Mm, that's incredibly unscientific of you Carter yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Like, not I would only is love this, it is if it, this series ends with like Final Destination, where Death is just trying to catch all of them because they got away <laughs> so many times. <laughs> yeah, that would be something. Um, yeah, and not only is it the second time Daniel has died, it's the second time he dies by getting shot by a staff weapon, so he's extra familiar with the sensation. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, the, yeah. Good screenshot, Eric. There's there's a bit earlier in the episode where you see Teal extremely sweaty on his uh, on his head. I think this is because uh, you don't see it very well, but they were shooting in the rain once again because it looks pretty overcast. Because um, it's because uh, it's Vancouver. Yeah, and I noticed it was actually raining when uh, <laughs> Apophis was taking names. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they also find O'Neill who wakes up from being unconscious and uh, they look around a little bit and some old space elf guy uh, <laughs> walks in there and just kind of stares at them. Uh, they, they try to talk to him, uh, doesn't answer. Uh, they try to ask him if they found Teal'c, try to like kind of just like signify pointing at their clothes and stuff to say, hey, did you find another one who's dressed like us? Uh, they kind of just gesture at them to come with them uh, so they walk outside they have a nice little camp in the woods with uh, some nice big fruit baskets that they're all sitting around so they go and uh, <laughs> sit down with these people on. sorry get some nosh on you know yeah, you get hungry get some after nosh. you die some, yeah some and, bananas uh, some tomatoes some star fruit from what I can see uh, cucumbers if I'm not mistaken um and uh, one of them is our buddy Armin Shimmerman, who, you know, mostly as playing Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, who came over to guest star in this one episode of Stargate. Uh, considering this aired in 97, this was at the same time as Deep Space Nine was airing its sixth season, which means, uh, like, uh, he he took some time off from being on Star Trek to go on Stargate. Uh, and also, like, yeah, Star Trek is shot in Hollywood and Stargate in Vancouver, so that's a whole, you know, have to take a plane up to yeah. Canada for to do this episode and then go back and get in the makeup chair to go back to your regular job at Star Trek, even though he could have taken some time in between episodes where he doesn't appear much, Star Trek being in, a, like, an ensemble is- show as it is. This is a lot less makeup than Quark, though. Like, this is basically oh, just yeah. a, a weird wig. Yeah, this is just, like, uh, 
weird. I don't even know how to describe it. Like it, it looks kind of like wheat, like wheat. Their wig. So, uh, it looks like ever seen tree uh, Princess Bride. He kind of looks like Miracle Max in his way. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> you're right. A little he bit. He really does. Jesus. And like I haven't like some, about that yet. Yeah, and some purplish uh, skin color. Um, but and before some we raggy. go too far on, I want to talk about the set dressing here because. <laughs> oof. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they took they took some. You know, some kind of really stereotypical Native American props and plopped up some neon-colored plants around it. Oh, yeah, basically. Because, uh, you know, uh, being uh, like a pacifist and in, con- in uh, close communion with nature and everything, you, you go straight for the, the Native American cliche right there. Uh, this is not the worst that it's going to get. Once again, there's an episode in Season 2 where it's literally they go to a Native American planet. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, uh, it's it's that it's that plus elves. Uh, it's it's really like Lord of the Rings. Elves is the is the inspiration for them. Um, uh, yeah, so they 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 toss them like uh, Antios, which is the name of the Nox played by Armin Shimmerman, uh, tosses them a little, tosses only a little tomato, and they have a little fun like eating and smiling at them while. Uh, while SG One is just talking between themselves, like asking themselves, "Who are these people? What are they doing? How can we communicate with them?" Um, I expected the way he tossed those to the crew to become significant because it seemed like an oddly specific thing to do. Yeah, I mean, you, you can like extrapolate that it's kind of a cultural custom, or maybe it's to evaluate the way when he catches the tomato and eats it, and the way he reacts to it. That can be some kind of way that they put together how humans communicate basically because um like we're gonna know see in a minute that this whole scene is the Knox uh trying to learn how to communicate with the humans basically uh it doesn't they take very long acting like these are alien fr- these are alien vegetables but that's extremely just a tomato yeah, it is. Ex- <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, Nox having a very high amount of technology as they do could have maybe just replicated Earth uh, vegetables for their guests. Uh, we don't know because we don't know anything about the Nox, honestly, even after seeing the whole show. Um, but like, considering they don't yet know how they speak, it would be worth them to know about tomatoes and cucumbers and starfruit uh, just just from looking at these people. Um, so the, 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 the little kid uh, gets up and walks over to O'Neill and he tries to talk to him and says, asks to get his guns back and stuff. Um, and the, the kid doesn't respond at all. And then Teal walks, walks over from behind them. Um, they try to talk to him like, hey, what's going on? Uh, do, you know, <laughs> do you know what's going on here? And he says, nope, no idea. Uh, do we know where the Stargate is? Nope. Okay. Uh, so the little kid goes over to Carter and introduces himself. He says his name is Defreyu, and she introduces herself by pointing at herself and saying Carter, and like he repeats it, and she thinks he's very cute, and O'Neill says, no, you can't keep him. Uh, <laughs> it's very cute. Um, get a little insert shot of Apophis being very angry, just so <laughs> we, rem- we, rem- <laughs> we remember he's there. Um, <laughs> so uh, then the Nox give... Uh, SG one some oatmeal and some leaves apparently and some more fruit. Um, so you have uh, to feed your guests. That's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. That's just a rule. Yeah, yeah it's they're not just... Swedish. No, <laughs> 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 no, no, very not Swedish. Uh, that's is it next week? 
it's in two weeks actually we're gonna meet the Swedes or the 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 sorry the Norwegians actually um but um no uh they're 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 just talking about uh among the among themselves and in telling each other that no we, they don't like they're, they're asking Daniel to figure out how to communicate with them and Daniel says they're not giving me anything I can't know how to even start talking to them if I don't hear anything and then like Antios just like at this point opens his mouth and says I will take you to your doorway <laughs> and they go wait what okay um, so Surprise you can talk Daniel didn't correct him <laughs> yeah Daniel is too surprised by the way that he just like made a complete sentence right there uh, they say wait you can understand us and he says ah, I took a little bit to learn, of time to learn how to speak your language and they say well okay uh, but not that much because apparently I, I these are super geniuses that for a little bit because he, he, says, uh-huh. get, he says doorway the hieroglyphs yeah. they translated said doorway until Daniel uh-huh. corrected them uh-huh. the Nox would know better I mean, <laughs> they, they were there when these things were built. Uh huh. Yeah, but I mean, the Daniel's the thing been is, an asshole and name calling it a Stargate. When no, it actually is door to heavens. Oh, and you know what? <laughs> like they they did ask Teal about the Stargate by using the word Stargate, so the Nox would have heard them say Stargate, so they should know. Because um, <laughs> like we're supposed to understand that they they extrapolated the entirety of the English language based on like two minutes of conversation between four people, uh, which is fairly impressive. Uh, <laughs> which is, I guess, should be our first hint that there's more to the Nox than there seems to be. Uh, they're actually ancient alien super geniuses. Um, so they're trying to uh, say, hey, uh, listen, we ha- there's a bad guy on this planet and we should probably deal with him before we go home because you're going to be in trouble if we don't do that. Um, the Nox are... Not keen on that idea. <laughs> uh, and she says, nope. Yeah, it's fine. We'll deal with it. Uh, you're just going to leave, though. <laughs> we don't want you here. <laughs> Bye, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, okay. So they, they, they tried to push some more and ask... Uh, so what's going to happen if if uh, the gold are uh, come for you? And he says, well, we're going to deal with them our own way. And they try to say, well, could we learn about your ways and maybe figure out what you do and uh, all this cool stuff you can do and maybe something about your invisible bugs? Um, and then they ask, you know, could we maybe start talk to your elders or leaders or something to establish diplomatic relationships? And uh, he says, basically, no, we don't have any anything like that, because uh, clearly this is an anarchist c- commune with no hierarchy of any kind. Uh, and he insists once again that they're just going to go. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just leave. Just go away. Yeah. And then so Teal points out, okay, uh, you keep saying that. Uh, are, are, okay, can we leave then? Are you going to lead us to the Stargate? And uh, then Laia, which is the, the, the Nox lady, says... Ah, uh, your brother won't revive until later. Okay, huh? What brother? Uh, so they follow her in, back into the hut, and we see that Shackle, who had been, as mentioned, killed by Teal'c, has also been revived by the Nox, and he's uh, laying there unconscious. So uh, once again, that 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 adds another problem to this whole thing. 
because uh, like yeah so they go back to speak to the Nox and they tell they tell them well okay so now we need to explain something to you he's not with us he's our <laughs> enemy and when he wakes up he's gonna bring his buddies over to you and they're gonna kill you and enslave you so that's bad so we actually need to do something about that uh, I feel like she never brought this up to them uh-huh. none of the rest of the episode would happen. They would just go home, think that <laughs> yeah. these are some weird people on this planet, and move on. Yeah, I, but I guess, like, uh, th- which is weird, love, but I guess we're meant to assume that the Nox thought that Shackle was with them and that he was going to go back to Earth with them. Uh, which, I guess, like, if, if they hadn't said anything, they would have just brought him back to Earth, which turns out to be their plan C at some point. Uh, but they don't even get that at the end. Um yeah, I mean, hell yeah, they could have grabbed him, then they would have had another, uh, 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 old uh, yeah. uh, infant, and, yeah, the, uh, they could have pressed that for information. They, they like, would have uh, had a hostile Jaff- Jaffa with them, and the Pentagon would have been happy to take him, as they wanted to do with Teal'c. Uh, probably not would have been able to turn him quite so easily, because uh, Shackle is a real fucking motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, so they- T- Tilk would not have been okay with that. No, because like he's the new Tilk, right? He was Tilk's apprentice, and he's now the new first prime of office. And he's like, uh, he's he's always been a shithead. He's always been like chomping for Tilk's job. And like as soon as Tilk became a Shulva, he he just like jump at the opportunity. Um, but yeah, the the, the Nox are confused, so so they're like, wait, so. Uh, you're saying he's your enemy, but he's just like you, and they point to Teal'c. He says, yeah, but that's different. He's with us. We convinced him to join our cause, and they say, well, you can convince him to, because it's, you know, the mind of a five-year-old, basically. It's it's never clear if they're uh, wizened elders or children who don't understand anything. They, they tend to, uh, <laughs> to wobble between the two. Uh, it's, so it's, they worse, tried- it's far worse than that. They're centrists. Yeah, they're, they're they're centrists, but they're like hippie anarchist centrists. So, so they're just like e- extreme pacifists, where they're so committed to pacifism that they refuse to take any kind of side in the conflict between yeah between the U.S., which like fair enough, an imperialist power on Earth, and like an imperialist power in the galaxy that is worse and enslaves people and stuff. Um, <laughs> I guess it's shades of gray to them. Um, they just say they just know they're better than both, and they don't want to be involved with any of that shit. Um, uh, so yeah, they try they they try to explain that yeah. So the gold their their whole mo is they go over to planets and they wage war on them and they conquer them and they take them as slaves and hosts and they're gonna do that to you if they find you and if you let him go. Uh, he's gonna like go back to his boss and tell them, and they're gonna do that. And they feel, now, now, now that they know that he's not with them, they they don't want to let them take him because they they respect his agency, and they want him to just go back to his people. Mm-hmm. And like they try to explain, no, that would be really bad because they would know about you. Um, so yeah, they they so they mentioned the Fenry, which is the name of the the invisible bugs um, that they're hunting. Uh, then, yeah, so uh, O'Neill asks to speak to their elders, uh, and uh, Antios points to Oper, which is the old man, Knox, who's right there, and he says, he's one of the oldest among us. Um, he goes, okay, uh, we can have a little one-on-one chat with him and maybe convince him uh, that this is bad and we have to do something. 
Uh, <laughs> of course, like we, we know from the end of this episode that uh, they're just like SG1 is slating, trying to do the right thing, but the, the pragmatic right thing would have been to just listen to the knocks and do what they asked uh, because uh, they would have ended up better than where they end up at the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, no, they don't. They don't talk to Oprah at this point. They they talk amongst themselves and come up with their plan C, which is uh, to just take Shackled with them and bring him back through the Stargate and have him on Earth, which is like the plan I mentioned to have at least something to show for having gone to this planet. Um, uh, yeah, and he's like they they, they ask Kilt if Shackled would possibly come with them willingly, and Kilt says, "Nope, not a chance. He's a real fucking <laughs> bastard. Uh, he's gonna fight us every inch of the way, and he's gonna yell, and Apophis is gonna find us if we try to do that." So that's bad. Um, so speaking of Apophis, we, we cut back to him once again, just uh, being angry and trying to like take out his anger on his underlings because <laughs> he's like pissed off that he had an opportunity to kill Teal'c, which I guess like we haven't checked back in with Apophis since the pilot, but uh, Apophis has now become uh, consumed by a desire for revenge against Teal'c because uh, Teal'c betraying him is the worst insult that he could have possibly imagined. And now uh, the only thing he wants on this earth is to basically torture Teal'c to death. Um, and and invisible yeah. bugs. And also invisible bugs. Uh, distant second priority. Uh, distant third priority is Shackle, who has disappeared. Uh, I guess they think he's dead at this point. Uh, he's like uh, Apophis is puzzled but he's also starting to connect some dots because you know invisible bugs disappearing corpses something's up Uh, there's something about invisibility on this planet that we need to figure out now and Um, also you know probably somewhere in the back of his concern here is oh shit my new first prime just disappeared at the same time as my old trader first prime yeah. oh shit what if he t- what if he converts him to what if he turns in what if he turns again if we're gonna have trouble and he doesn't even know it but his former first prime before teal is also a trader so um <laughs> yeah um so yeah, we, we cut back to the hut where Shackle is lying da- is laying down, and Tilk has tied his hands together with rope, and Laia is not happy about this, and he says, "Hey," she says, "Hey, not cool. Why why'd you tie him up like this?" And Tilk tries to explain that, yeah, well, when he wakes up, if he's not tied up, he's gonna kill us all, trying to prevent that. And Laia is clearly almost more angry at Tilk, and she says, "Yeah, well, sucks to be you, cause he's awake already, actually, and he's just been like." acting asleep this whole time so he can backstab you <laughs> as soon as you're not looking. Um, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Because, like, as soon I as she... Know, least- I kind of... I kind of like Shackle. He's, yeah. He's got... Uh, he's got good energy. He's he's a good bastard. Like, he he's fun to hate. And the fun part is he's going to show up in another episode later. And as soon as he shows up, you go, oh, fuck, not him again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and so as soon as Lai is gone, Tilk is like, he starts talking to Shackle and says, hey, were you just going to wait for me to have my back turned and stab me? And he says, yep, that's what you taught me to do. <laughs> <laughs> and Tilk uh, makes his uh, symbolic olive branch by saying, okay, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you this once. You can betray Apophis and join us and everything is going to be fine. That's going to make everything that comes forward real a lot easier for everyone. He says, uh, Shackle basically says, get fucked. Uh, uh, Apophis <laughs> is my god. I'm never going to join you. The Tari are shit. Uh, you're all going to die. Um, uh, 
yeah, Teal tries to appeal to Shackle's sense of Jaffa pride by saying, hey, I'm fighting for the freedom of our people, dipshit. And, uh, but uh, Shackle is not having it. And Shackle is like, I got a nice new house. Yep. Actually, they, they, he doesn't say it, but they burned Teal's old house down, and now Shackle has a nice big house. Um, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> we cut over to the rest of SG-1, who apparently took the Air Force's advanced fletchery and uh, boreary training uh, level three, because uh, Daniel is, uh, I, I, I guess, like just... Uh, cutting some arrows out of tree branches, and O'Neill has already made a bow out of a stick and a string. I don't know where he got a bowstring, because it seems like you can just have that. It doesn't even look like it's a woven string made out of uh, reeds or anything like that. It's just he had no, a bowstring on him, apparently. And where did they get the feathers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the that's the other question. They, they've made... The Nox are not going to be letting them kill birds for those. <laughs> yeah. They they have like a whole quiver made of bamboo or something, and they they seem to have like fifteen to twenty arrows in there already. And there's feathers on the arrows. Uh, they don't have any weapons with which to kill birds. And like yeah, the nox we know would protect any animals there. So <laughs> that's a good question. They they do look like real feathers. They're not like leaves that they just like fashioned into crude feathers or anything. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, like that 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 crudely fashioned bow is good enough that like we see O'Neill <laughs> shooting an arrow into a tree trunk and it lodging in there so uh, I guess I guess that's some good fucking crafting right there because um, <laughs> uh, that, yeah that's their plan to uh, I, have they mentioned like their theory and how the force field works yet yeah it's no. the dune it's, I don't think they mentioned it yet but they're going to in shortly that it's the it works on the same way the dune ones do that's yeah. about to say it's just the it's the dune shield. Yeah, basically same 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 thing. Um, Why they, doesn't anyone in Dune have a bow and arrow? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have knives. Like Dune made up a whole martial art to counter the fact that they have these shields so that their warriors can use knives and shit. And Dune Dune yeah, is sure, full of but yeah, but nobody has a bow and arrow to to kill a guy with a shield no, from over there because sand. Like you have to sand sand shoot your bow or it's going to attract the worms or whatever because it's Dune um, <laughs> uh, this is Stargate though not Dune uh, so uh, the little kid Nefreyu is looking at uh, O'Neill trying out his bow and he's doing uh, he, he <laughs> seems more like an actual little human boy uh, than the rest of the Nox do because he's like real he thinks the, the bow is the coolest fucking thing he's ever seen he asks a bunch of questions about this but like he does like you know O'Neill has this terrible flaw where children around him <laughs> just keep reaching for his weapons yeah that's a problem <laughs> that's a, that's really recurring he's he's 0 for 3 so far yeah <laughs> and, I, yeah and the Freyu like, is gonna die kids <laughs> Kids do die around O'Neill, don't they? Um, but yeah, the Freyu thinks like, ah, Bo could be useful to knock some tr- fruit off the trees. So at least he's like, he- he's interested in bows in a hippie way. Um, so one of those uh, Fenry comes back and uh, O'Neill tries to shoot it with uh, with his bow, but it flies away and he misses. It, it. is an extremely like PS1 era Final Fantasy looking random encounter <laughs> oh, yeah. monster. <laughs> I, I really like the sound it makes, though. It it really sounds like a big gross bug. Um, 
but yeah, it runs away. Uh, it dodges the arrow. Uh, so Daniel is, is uh, walking around with Oprah talking to him. Uh, Oprah like found some tree sap and gets some on his fingers. Like, mm, you want <laughs> you want to lick my fingers and have some? And Daniel says, No, I'm good. Um, so no, we're on we're in the wrong part of the we're on the wrong part. To, we, we don't even have get good maple syrup over here. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're right. Uh, the good maple syrup is in the east of Canada, if you don't know. It's in Ontario and Quebec. Um, so, is there is there a reason for that? I mean, because that's, of that's the, where the maple trees are. Yeah, that's where the maples are. It's the climate. It's just the natural. That's that's where they grew, um, and also that's where the Native American tribes that learned to make syrup lived. Uh, so all that combined. Um, so yeah, they 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 talk a little bit. Uh, Daniel tries to figure out how the knocks work uh, culturally and uh, scientifically and brain-wise because, you know, clearly they're uh, not human because uh, they, 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 they seem almost psychic in the way they learn uh, and adapt to, to uh, new people they've just met. Um, the, Daniel tries to ask this guy how old he is. He guesses the question before he asks... And then, like he, uh, like the Oprah says, well, I don't know how uh, how you mark time. So I'm uh, Daniel needs to explain. Okay, uh, he he starts saying, well, okay, a day is when our planet rotates, and there's 365 days in a year. And he stops him right there and says, he's uh, sorry, sorry, I missed the, the number. Uh, he's very old, basically something. Yeah. Uh, he's 432 years old. There, I got it. Uh, the the flaw. Especially how this... he did that math, though. Because, yeah, because how does he know how long a day is? Yeah, it w- it would have to have gone down to Daniel counting seconds and saying there's 60 in a minute and whatever for for him to be able to make that out. I guess he's 432 years old in Knox days or whatever. That's the closest uh to rational that we can make this um <laughs> but basically it's also once again meant to wow us with like wow fast mental ca- ma- mental uh math there old man um but yeah he's very old uh then we 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 go back to to o'neill who's still standing in the woods and antios just appears out of nowhere uh, near him, and he says, "Hey, hands off my son! He's like <laughs> you're a bad influence over him." And Leonian goes, "Whoa! How'd you appear like that?" <laughs> and then Tiasco says, "Well, okay. Full disclosure: the invisible thing—that's us. That's not these bugs." Um, uh, so yeah, we we hide them whenever you come over to 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 hunt them because we want to protect them. And when you walk through the Stargate, it attracted one of them, and we had to hide it. So we hid also the Stargate for some reason. Um, and uh, and then like O'Neill uh, says, uh, you know, so now that I know this, if the ghouls find out, uh, they're gonna capture you instead of the Fenry, and you're gonna be in even worse trouble. Uh, so that's gonna that's gonna be real bad for you. Uh, and you know, if they didn't hide the Fenry, that nobody would care, and nobody would be here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would just be oh, they're. Like the prophets would have come here, been all like, "Oh, there's a giant bug. Whatever, yeah, let's but leave." Th- there, there might have been some some dead Fenry if that had happened, and that's unacceptable to the Nox, apparently. Um, so basically, you go through the Stargate, you find this planet that's a uh, that's a uh, 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 PNW mm-hmm. uh, uh, hasn't been named. So whatever, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, mount- mountainous area, uh-huh. 
And there's nothing there. Uh-huh. Literally nothing. Yep. Like, there's no living things. It's just trees. Yep. And then you leave, but, like, presumably... Well, you would just leave, you know? <laughs> yeah. Presumably the gold have been there, and when they saw a Fenry, they might have shot it to... to uh, to defend themselves, and then the Nox hit them, and then that they saw the Fenry go invisible, and that started the whole thing where they were looking for them. So I guess that's like, we're meant to extrapolate, to, 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 to do like the Nox and take a little bit of information and, and extrapolate the rest of the story from that. Um, that's how, I guess, that's how I see it. Um, Makes sense, yeah. So They've been doing this for hundreds of years. Yeah. Because like Oprah says that, uh, he says the gold have been coming since uh, as long as he can remember, and he's over 400 years old, so it's been a long time. Daniel asks him why they haven't buried the Stargate, because that, that would mean no one else would come. And then Oprah says, yeah, but if we did that, they'd know someone had buried it, and we all know that what the gold do when there's no Stargate. They come in ships and shit, and it's even worse. So, <laughs> not a good plan. Um, again, again, another hint that Wait, these guys know a hell of a lot more than they're letting on because yep. they know how the Gavuld would operate on a galactic scale. Yeah, right. Because the Nox also, spoiler alert, operate on a galactic scale and they know all about this and they're at such a level that they don't think the Gavuld are a concern to them. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, O'Neill, like, uh, we, we get SG1 uh, briefing each other again after the little... Uh, their, their little solo adventures there. Uh, O'Neill is very angry because he says, yep, so those bugs, they don't do anything, actually, so uh, the Nox <laughs> hide them. So it's real bad because they don't want us to do anything. Uh, <laughs> uh, so O'Neill says, well, okay, forget the invisibility then. We're just gonna, we just gotta get Shackle out of there to, you know, to bring him back and also save them. And then Antios just appears right next to them and O'Neill really jumps and he says, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and O'Neill is, is pretty pissed at him. It's like, hey, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you startled me. Um, and so, yeah, Antios has decided that uh, Shackle can't be left with SG-1 because that would uh, infringe on his rights because uh, he would become a prisoner of the U.S. military, which, you know, fair, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, O'Neill once again tries to get it through to them that if they let Shackle go back to the ghoul, he's going to tell them everything he knows about the Nox and the ghoul is going to come and capture them. Even though, like, the, the, I guess the only way Shackle would know that the Nox are the ones doing the invisibility at this point is if he heard them yelling about it through his hut that he's uh, laying down in oh, right over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's, he's actually going to see it in a little bit, so that's going to explain that. Um, so yeah, they, they, they try to pull the Geneva Conventions on Antios, and Daniel says, you know, uh, we have laws that say we treat our prisoners of war fairly and everything, so it's going to be fine, actually, if, we, if you let us have him. And Antios is like, ah, I'm not falling for that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too based and woke to know that, that that's some bullshit from the U.S. military. Um, I'm ambiguously psychic, and that guy is definitely thinking about the time you almost dissected him. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Apophis, once again, very angry. Uh, his Trufa says, uh, we, we can't find the Stargate, so 
uh, or Teal'c or Shackle. And <laughs> you see Apophis kind of raise his like torture hand for a second, like he's really thinking about torturing this guy to death. But he he holds his wrath for a second because like these are his last two guys, and he can't really spare them. Um, so uh, Teal'c uh, goes over, back over to Shackle and offers him once again tries to appeal to him because. Uh, you could really solve this whole dilemma if Shackle would willingly consent to going with them. Uh, but that's, once again, not going to happen. Because, uh, like, as soon as Teal'c is standing right next to him, Shackle yells uh, <laughs> to attract Laia over. And then he reveals he has the Assassin's Creed hidden blades in his gauntlets. Only it's, like, at the top of his wrists instead of the bottom. And he... Whips them out, cutting his ropes, uh, springs up and stabs Teal'c. Uh, I guess we don't see him do it, but he also stabs Laia on his way out. Because um, it cuts to outside, and uh, we, Teal'c is yelling, O'Neill! Uh, oh yeah, yeah, we, we do see like it cuts to Shackle exiting the hut and uh, Laia lying unconscious on the, on the ground. And he runs off into the woods. Uh, there's a nice little bit where you can see him like kind of whipping at some leaves with, I guess, his wrist blade, and like he sends some flying, like he cuts some on the way because he's just so excited and angry, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, I, so I guess Tilk is fine from being stabbed because uh, he's a tough guy, and his uh, his his symbiote uh, took care of most of the damage, so he's yeah. Actually good I to guess go. if, if you didn't hit the symbiote, you're you're probably okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a flesh wound. Uh, but Laia is not doing so well. Uh, she's dead, I guess we have to assume, because uh, they're gonna do what we're gonna see what they did to revive SG One earlier, which is they have this ritual where they were invisible, but they stopped being invisible for a second. Where she's laid down on like an altar near the campfire, and they just like do this mystical hand wavy stuff over her to like this is the healing ritual, blah blah blah. Um, okay, before we go too far, though. Yeah. When Shackle is running away, mm-hmm. he gives a particular fuck you to just this one branch, and yeah, it sounds yeah. like they added sound effects to it yeah. to explain why the leaves explode off of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, he like slashes at it with his uh, with his wrist blade. Is what is what I see there. Um, I guess that's the implication that they tried to uh, put in after the fact because like one branch does seem to go real flying uh, quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, uh, so we see the ritual there, uh, and the other thing we see, okay, so Shackle is there, and he does also see the ritual, and while he's seeing that, he also notices that the Nox were invisible, and they stopped being invisible during it, so that tells him, that this is the point where Shackle figures out that the Nox are the ones that go invisible, so that's the information they were afraid of getting back to Apophis, that's now gonna get back to Apophis. Even though I don't know how Shackle can expect to just stumble upon Apophis in the forest, because he has no direction to go to find him. I guess if if they yell for each other for long enough, they're going to find each other. Um, but also, uh, they revive Laia. She's fine. Um, they go over to talk to SG-1, and they say, hey, so that's what, that was, the, that was the, the ritual, huh? That's how you heal people. And then they point out, yeah, so you stop being invisible when you do that, huh? And Natasha says, yeah, but it's fine. We're invisible again now. We're, we're okay. Um, and Teal points out that that's a weakness that might be exploited by a, by an enemy. 
Um, but yeah, so so yeah, Shackle runs runs off into the woods once again. Um, so uh, yeah, so SG One is and this is now uh, coming up with a plan to to deal with Apophis and the Frey who comes up to them and wants to uh, hang out with them and uh, O'Neill just kind of tells him to scoot, go away, uh, and go back to the other Nox. But uh, oops, that's uh, that's gonna go bad in a second. Um, so we see the the gold uh, walking around and Shackle running around yelling for them and they find each other and uh, SG One is hiding in the woods next to them and they're looking at them. So uh, Teal explains that uh, Shackle is explaining everything he knows to the other Jaffa and about the knocks and them being invisible and stuff. So we know that uh, they're gonna know about it. So it's bad. Um, so uh, yeah, so they they go back to speak to the Nox, and uh, O'Neill tries to to get to tell him. So okay, uh, Plan D at this point, uh, take us to the Stargate. We'll go through, get our guns, get a whole bunch of squads and people back to this planet, and then we'll defend you against the gold. And maybe then we can capture Apophis. Um, but uh, the Nox don't even answer because Oper and Laia are there and they're looking for Nefreyu because uh, they can't find him. So they run off uh, scared uh, with good reason because Nefreyu has just walked up to in front of Apophis and is <laughs> <laughs> trying to talk to him now. Um, <laughs> and uh, Apophis, uh, in case you forgot, is a real bastard because uh, uh, he he responds to Nefreyu's introduction by uh, putting out his hand torture device and pointing it straight at the kid. <laughs> Uh, just murders a child, our villain, everyone. Um, not only murders, but tortures him to death, because we know that thing is nasty. It sucks. Um, Extremely excessive. Yeah. So, uh, the Nox are having a real bad day, because it's, they're up to, like, six people they've had to revive on the same day now. <laughs> I, I wonder if that, that, that mustn't happen like that, it must have been centuries <laughs> since they've had a six revive day, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have to do the the ritual again to revive him. And like O'Neill points out, hey, hey, uh, think about it for a second. Uh, you think maybe Apophis did that especially on purpose because he knows you're going to be visible when you do that, and he's going to take that opportunity to attack. Um, and like the Nox are like, no, uh, yeah, but we have to do this, or he's gonna stay dead. Um, and they, so they try to tell him, well, okay, give us our guns back so we can at least like guard while you're doing this. And they go, no, 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 pacifism, we can't give you your guns. Uh, that's that goes against our principles. Uh, <clears throat> like, and and the Nox at this point are clearly <laughs> like starting to actually be afraid because everything has gone tits up. Um, it's it's a real bad day. Uh, and only like just gives up and says, "Okay, we're not going anywhere with this. We're we'll fucking do our own thing." Then um, Daniel tries to convince them one last time, but Antios says, "Hey, goodbye." Actually, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, only says, "Think they bought it," and but like he says that, but he's kind of not really tricking them because they're. Like, they wouldn't be able to find the Stargate on their own anyway. Like, what else would they be doing except exactly what he said they would, which is to use their bows to try to fight the gold. Um, 
Laia tries to bring up uh, like a plan B for them, which is to bring him over to the city, which uh, she, she just says the others, but uh, from the end of the episode, we can assume she means that, bit, that big flying Wakanda they have. Uh, but uh, Antios says that he, if they do that, it'll take too long and he's going to die for real. Um, so they can't do that. They have to do the ritual in, in their little uh, camping spot that they have over there, I guess. Um, so uh, we have uh, SG-1's plan E now, which is uh, they have they still have one tranquilizer dart, I guess, that uh, the Nox didn't find on him for some reason like it's established that it's the only one they have left um i, I want to call attention to specific wording on this one again uh-huh. Is it the we folk missed one yeah the we folk for- uh, he, he, he might have meant so, the fair folk but <laughs> yeah i mean leprechaun leprechaun we fo- little folk it's all all general same thing it's like and the freeze question is like wait a second the nox do have a whole lot of fey tropes going on with them Ah, uh, they do. Were there knocks on Earth? Because they're Nox? the druids of Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah, they, there might have been. Who knows? Uh, we know the they, demons live and the banshees dwell. Yeah, we know. We know from from later that they hung out with the ancients and the Asgard, and both of those came to and, Earth. And so the ancients were on round on Earth, contemporary to those myths. We yep. find that out specific too. Absolutely. So, so it's not. It's not out of the question. Uh, it's never confirmed, but I guess that's a valid headcanon right there. Um, so, uh, this plan that I mentioned is to tie a dart to one arrow uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> figure out that uh, the shields work like dune shields, which is uh, they're velocity-based. So, if you shoot uh, at it with a gun, it's going to reflect the bullet. Uh, but if you... Uh, like, because they they saw Apophis, they they saw Jafar toss a staff weapon to Apophis who caught it, and it went through the shield. So <laughs> instead of that being like a hand wavy, ah, don't worry about it thing, it's actually a a, a tech point for how those shields work, which is a slow moving object can pass through them. Oh, by the way, we didn't even mention it. Uh, Teal'c has never seen those shields before, apparently. So <laughs> one more thing that it seems like Teal'c should know about that he's never seen. Either the shields weren't like our real recent development, or Apophis never told anyone that he had a personal shield. I guess the the latter seems more likely, but uh, it's kind of weird <laughs> that he wouldn't... I hate that kid on the playground. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, uh, I mean, Papa's just wasn't using it day to day until you know someone actually showed up and exerted military force against them. Yep, exactly. Because uh, I guess that wouldn't happen that all that much because they tended to yeah just oppress humans that had like ancient or medieval levels of technology. Um, so speaking of medieval technology... I mean, the shield would have been ineffective against a caveman with a rock. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so really, that, they should go find that guy again yeah. and bring him on the team. Or a bow and arrow, Yeah, the apparently. shield would have been, like, very useless against the people they normally are oppressing. Right, that's the thing. Maybe he just didn't like... This is how the Egyptians won. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Goliath was a Goa'uld. Maybe. And he was defeated by a rock that went through his shield. Yeah. Actually... I mean, the, the, of course, everything the, else would have gone through the shield too. The Babylonians <laughs> are going to be mentioned in a few episodes, uh, so put a pin in that one. Uh, I guess, like, I, I don't know if uh, Goliath is a Babylonian or anything. It's a, being biblical or whatever. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, 
So yeah, uh, basically the plan is yeah, an arrow is slower than a bullet. So hopefully it's slow enough to penetrate that shield. Even though if you shoot an arrow from a bow, it actually zips by pretty dang fast, like fast enough to kill someone uh, if it's a sharp arrow. So like that's they're they're gambling a lot on guessing that the arrow is going to be slow enough to penetrate the shield. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the plan uh, with the dart tied to it. They're going to shoot through the shield. Uh, tranquilize Apophis with the dart through even though Apophis has like uh, plates, some plates on him and chainmail, so I don't know how that arrow with the dart would actually get through to his skin um, or, or also we don't know that uh, him being a gold and everything, his immune system wouldn't protect him from the tranquilizer, so that's, that's a lot of variables that they're hoping will go their way there um it is an extremely ill thought out plan. Yeah, it's, it is. It's and, not. It's not fantastic. And we know it's not going to work anyway. But not for any of the reasons we mentioned. Uh, none of uh, that is matters. Is it the same tranquilizer they used against the Goa or the? Yeah, the Kowalski. The, yeah, the the one in Kowalski. Um, but uh, we don't. We Maybe, don't. But why would you bring that? Yeah, that's the thing. They, they, they went there to hunt invisible <laughs> bugs, so they wouldn't have thought that they'd need gold tranquilizer. Um, yeah, I guess that's another thing we can add to the list for the, the Secretary of Defense. They've, they developed an anesthetic uh, that can knock a gold out, which like possibly didn't exist before that episode. Um, I mean, it, we're not 100% sure it worked, and the Geld wasn't just faking it while it right. went further in the brain. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the other thing. Like, yeah, we don't... Yeah, a lot of unknowns in there. Um, <laughs> it's actually just Benadryl. <laughs> yeah, the same solution as uh, no, wait, that was a uh, uh, that was, was Claritin. Claritin, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, none of what we're saying matters, though, because an integral part of their plan to ambush Apophis this time relies on Teal holding a big old log in his hands. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. Uh, Teal needs to be disarmed more this? often to have to, to use improvised <laughs> weapons like that. Um, so, once again... I mean, that should just be the whole plan. Forget the dart. Just beat him unconscious yeah. with the big stick. Uh-huh. That'll go through the shield. Yeah. And then he just wails on the guy. Yeah, he just flam, I mean, Just like <laughs> whole fucking tree trunk right in the belly of that one Jaffa. No, the face, even. Um, <laughs> and, like, Carter uh, and Dan- I do want to call out that at some during this, Dan, they mentioned that the staff weapons aren't good up close. It's like, man, yeah. they're large metal sticks with heavy blunt yeah, ends. Right. And it's, it's completely, was, it goes completely the- counter to the fact that we're going to learn later on that the Jaffa have, have a whole martial art that revolves around yeah. using the staff weapons as melee weapons. Um, so, as, as a bit of a tangent... Mm-hmm. That was always my problem with the lightsaber mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan Kenobi's uh, penchant for cutting off people's arms. Yeah. It's a blunt rod that you could just beat the shit out of someone with. So, <laughs> you know, you have trouble with someone in a bar, just smack him across the head with it. I mean, a lightsaber is... You don't need to cut their whole hand off. Oh, okay, you mean just, like, the use the hilt of it to do turned, that? Yeah, you could do yeah, that, turned for off, sure. just hit him. Yeah, Obi-Wan's lived on Tatooine <laughs> for 20 years. He doesn't have any time for any shit anymore, I guess, at this point. He's had enough of uh, scum and villainy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Yeah, it's like that guy's species grows his arms back like a starfish. It's fine. Yeah, probably, whatever. <laughs> George Lucas made up whatever shit he wanted anyway. Um, 
So they ambushed. Uh, Daniel and Carter were hiding. No, wait. Daniel was behind a tree. Carter and O'Neill were hiding uh, under some leaves on the ground. Uh, apparently, this is the smallest, like, planetary forest in the universe, considering how easy it is for them to catch up and find Apophis and ambush him because they keep. Um, I mean, they know that they're probably heading towards the camp, so they could make some guesses. Um, uh, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so uh, so their ambush seems to go relatively well this time. Uh, they managed to subdue the Jaffa. Uh, you get a quick insert shot of the Nox like, having, being kind of distracted by the, the staff weapons firing and stuff in the fighting and being distraught. But uh, Antios makes them concentrate again to revive the kid. Um, O'Neill once again gets a beat on Apophis. Um, <laughs> and there's a, a pretty good one-liner where Apophis tells O'Neill, Fool, I will kill you! And O'Neill says, Again? <laughs> and uh, like Apophis tries to use his shield to block the arrow, and uh, O'Neill shoots him, but Apophis vanishes. And the arrow does go through where Apophis was, which uh, lends credence to my earlier theory that the Nox uh, cloaking field also makes things intangible. Uh, basically, I kind of want to see what intangible, invisible Apophis is doing at that moment because he's got to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he must be so angry. We don't see him anymore in this episode, but uh, Apophis must have been Jaffa killing angry after this whole debacle. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's amazing that Shackle lives to see the next, yeah. see his next appearance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he he just killed one of the lesser Jaffa that was with him probably. Uh, so yeah, basically the Nox just saved the Pophis because uh, their creed to do no harm uh, is absolute and uh, allows no exceptions. Um, so uh, SG-1 just slaps on over back to the clearing where the Stargate used to be. And it's still not there, but uh, Antios appears in front of them and tells them that Apophis and the Jaffa have been sent back to their world. Um, and O'Neill says, yeah, so what are you going to do when, the, uh, when they come back? And, and Theos says, yeah, we'll, we're going to have to bury the Stargate now, I guess, so that they can't do that. And O'Neill says, eh, they're going to bring ships and you're going to be fucked. You know that, right? Um, and Antios says, yeah, maybe. But then again, uh, because he doesn't want to quite tip his hand yet. Uh, uh, Nefriu is there and uncloaks in front of them to show them that he's fine and he wanted to say goodbye to them. Um, so that to reassure us that he's fine after all this, uh, he tells them that uh, their guns and stuff were sent back to Earth this whole... It's not clear, actually, if they were sent back to Earth this whole time or, or if they just did that. But he tells them that all their stuff has been sent back to the Stargate already. So all that's Either left. way, they got atomized on the other side by the Iris because <laughs> he didn't have a transponder. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so thankfully, there was no one living uh, among that stuff. Um, so yeah, they or somehow they opened the iris and all these guns came through, uh -huh. and so now they're on high alert. <laughs> and the next thing that goes through is getting <laughs> filled full of bullets as soon as it comes through. <laughs> what is or it's going to be like, sir? I think as she went, just surrendered to us. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, something destroyed the team, and they're throwing it in our faces. <laughs> yeah. Um. Prepare the dagger wall for the next thing that comes through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So SG1 basically says, yeah, so we still feel bad about everything because now it's going to be way worse for you and the gold are for sure going to come back and wipe you out now. Uh, and like, we're, you think we're bad because we fight, but we actually at least care about people who are weaker than us and we want to do something to help. And Antias says, okay, maybe now it's time to actually show them that they don't know shit. And he waves his hand and uncloaks a big old flying city in the sky, uh, which like gives us vibes of Wakanda or Atlantis, weirdly enough, except it's flying in the sky. Um, and he says, yeah, uh, don't worry about us. We're fine, actually. The gold can't do shit to us, so you worried for nothing this whole time. Uh, just go home now. All right, bye. And he like bef before he vanishes one one last time. He says, "Hey, uh, maybe learn that your way is not the only way. Uh, imagine the end of, of capitalism before you imagine the end of the world, y'all." <laughs> Basically, um. <laughs> what the Knox fail to realize is that uh, the gold actually have ships that can fly and shoot that city. Yeah, but. The Nox presumably have whatever it takes to completely be impervious to those ships. Uh, like I'm going to assume they don't have turrets that can destroy the gold ships, but they can do whatever they need to to never be at risk from the ships, uh, which is my guess. Like That city can fly to another planet if it needs to in an instant. Uh, we don't quite ever know exactly what level of technology the Nox have, but they're good enough that they hang out with other alien species that have intergalactic travel, so uh, they're good. Yeah, they're consistently portrayed as above the above the Gamma World in tech. Yeah. They're, they're, whatever yeah. that means. They're, they're that, you so, know, Arthur C. Clarke thing where sufficiently advanced tact is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. That's them, basically. Um, right, especially so, when they look like they're doing ritualistic magic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as you want to connect to TWA, do you think this is the island of illusion? <laughs> it could be. Uh, that's where like the uh, what's what's what his name was Quagmire hangs out there and uh, like crypt. I mean, maybe that's how O'Neill knew about the wee folk. Yeah, maybe he was uh, referring to specifically Quagmire. Um, <laughs> so um, I mean, that was one of the weeks we didn't see. Uh huh. Yeah, because they did mention early in the episode that they've been to 19 planets in six weeks. So, so uh, we've seen like four of those planets. So uh, another one of the 15 uh, was uh, the Power Ranger planet. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, as you one just stands there dumbfounded and realizes they fucked up. And if they just listened and did what they were told since the beginning, they would have a new ally who's really advanced. And now they're going home empty-handed and the Nox are going to bury the Stargate and they're never going to see them again. Asterisk. So, whoops, we fucked up. We did. We had another episode where they dangled an actual cool advancement that they might have brought back and then didn't get shit by the end of it. Uh, Secretary of Defense is going to love this one. Uh, I mean, I do feel like the Nox really wouldn't have helped much anyway. No, no they really, even if you they know. had listened, they'd have just been like, okay, they'd have left and not ever found out about how powerful the Nox are. I mean, are, yeah, but yeah. they might have hooked them up with their buddies in space, though, or at worst, because we know the Nox are going to eventually use their tech to help another planet with with protecting themselves against the Goa'uld uh, after much deliberation. It's a whole episode, but... Um, 
like by doing stuff like cloaking their shit when it, they need to so that they can defend themselves. So they might have like may, they might have the tech to just cloak Earth to make it like invisible to the gold and somehow keep that a secret from everyone on Earth at the same time. Uh, that would be a nice solution <laughs> to have, but we're, we're never going to have that now because uh, we just burned our one chance with the Nox by, uh, by not listening to them, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay. We find out that there's, you know, maybe three other advanced. Yeah, there's uh, there, there's uh, three yeah, other the, the uh, next aliens. Couple, the next couple of meetings of advanced people go better. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's gonna take a yeah, while you know. though. They're gonna have we're gonna have a real slow build up to that stuff. And by the time <laughs> we for real meet one of those alien species, uh, they're gonna bring their good shit with uh, with them. But they're also gonna bring their big problems that are gonna become our problems really fast. <laughs> uh, more on that at the end of season three. Uh, we have a long road ahead of us before we get there. We've got a, we've got a, we've got some time. We've got some time. Yeah. Uh, Me- meanwhile, meanwhile, our main antagonist is the Department of Defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for this season, almost. Yeah, they're like the secondary antagonist after Apophis is uh, the Pentagon and them trying to shut down the SGC. Because, uh, like, yeah, this is gonna keep coming back up. Uh, so that's the end of the Nox. Um, so do you, do you think the fact that that kind of stops happening later is explicitly just because like they dealt with more Air Force people and the Air Force people were like, oh, oh no, hell yeah, we love this shit. Yeah, there's there's that. <laughs> uh, there's the fact that at the start of season two, uh, they have a big ass crisis that the SGC shows that they're the ones that can solve it. So that buys them like a bunch of leeway. There's the fact that yeah. uh, they're going to start a whole uh, space CIA sometime between now and season two. Uh, that's going to take care of all the shady shit that the SGC are too moral to do. Um, so that's going to be a whole thing. Like Earth, Earth, Earth plots are some of my favorites on this show because it gets really uh, X Files esque at some point. And I r- yeah, like once once they stop really kind of playing it so straight mm-hmm. as. Hey, this is this is the next planet that might have something on here, yep. and this is the like once they once they actually start weaving their storylines and plots mm-hmm. through all their different stuff. Yes, then the series really starts to get fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. And you know, once uh, John Delancey shows up to be like a major human villain, <laughs> he's so good on this show. I can't wait. But that's really far down the line. Um. <laughs> um so that's it for the Nox. Uh, so uh, I have a, uh, a couple of questions uh, from this episode uh, that were all sent by Ooh. our friend Zach uh, Chinchy McChilla on Twitter. <laughs> uh, he asks, better space elves, the neutrals in this show or the elves in Warhammer 40k who are split between worshipping logic and worshipping hedonist- hedonistic space magic? Uh, I've never played Warhammer 40k, so I can't really answer this. Uh, <laughs> I've not played Warhammer 40k, but I've absorbed enough 40k lore through osmosis, and I'm just going to say, mm, anything that worships chaos in that setting is probably right. Uh-huh. We've seen what the op- we've seen what the opposition has to be, and that really sucks. So yeah, go go for it. Go for your go for your like hedonistic space magic. The the way that, your bliss. <laughs> the way they're described in this question makes them sound like a mix between Vulcans and Romulans because worshiping logic yeah, is kind of... Vulcans. 
Yeah, that's kind of their whole thing is at one point they were one species and then a bunch yeah. of them descended into hedonism and created a created a chaos god and the rest of them like completely renounced all emotion and pleasure to okay. stop that from ever happening yeah, again so, and the rest became cultists of that yeah. god so it is straight up a, like a copy of the vulcans great um yeah it's straight up the romulans <laughs> and vulcans writ large all right great cool um i mean i don't love i think the knocks are at least interesting but that's mostly because Falcons and Romulans. Well, I mean, I guess I haven't played 40k. If any of you have a better insight into Warhammer 40k than I do, uh, feel free to jump in. Uh, <laughs> well, imagine if the Ro- if the Romulans also had demon powers. Yeah. Okay. That sounds nice. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the Vulcans. And the and Ro- Vulcans had katanas. <laughs> yeah, the Vulcans and Romulans feel like they've been around so long, and like the writers have not known what to do with them for so long that they they kind of like uh, became. Uh, um, uh, I don't know. They, they they kind of fell into a, a rut. It, it was always just like Spock is great, and like they they all love Spock, and like they're just they just make more characters that are basically Spock. Uh, except like when we get to Discovery season three, and we're in the far future, and the Romulans and Vulcans have ye- reunited and renamed the planet Vulcan Navarre. That's like the first interesting thing they've done with them <laughs> in a long time. So I like that. Um, there's some good stuff there uh but yeah i do like the Knox partly because they don't show up too much and they leave a lot to the imagination which is why they've they're such a favorite of uh stargate headcanons and fanfic uh, <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot of Knox fanfic because the the show really like uh doesn't tip its hand about them this this episode is the most we ever learned about them really um I, yeah, dis- no. I despise the Nox, and <laughs> I think any episode therein after this is that is to the episode's detriment. Oh, all right. Uh, they're going to show up again <laughs> in this season, uh, only very briefly, yes. though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, anyway, the Nox are not a central part of the show, but they, they are, they're like flavor for the lore of the show that is interesting and leads the plot in some interesting directions, I'll just say. Um, the other question is, were Quark and Odo boy, boyfriends or what? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, Quark and Odo <laughs> were uh, uh, boyfriends, but Odo is asexual and Quark is uh, heavily pansexual. So that's like that's the that's part of their tension right there. And um, <laughs> yeah, that there you go. They, they, uh, they had a they had a very they had a very good kismesis going. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they have a whole polycule going on with Kira and Odo's bucket and the female changeling and everything. <laughs> you know, that's that's a whole thing. And whoever Quark was horny for at any given moment, because, you know, Quark fucked a lot more than we saw. Um, he had these double girls that he was clearly being very inappropriate with. Um, he was married once. Oh, yeah, he was. And then, like, his wife uh, tricked him and stuff and stole all his shit because Ferengi, that's what they're going to do, right? No, 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 no. He was married to a Klingon. Oh, right. I don't remember it. Is that? Oh, God. Yeah. Storyline. DS9 is good. He, uh, he, sa- he saved her, uh, he saved her, uh, uh, her house's standing. Grilka? Mm-hmm. No, that's not right. That's the, that's the, yeah, point, yeah, yeah. It? I remember that. Uh, no, yeah, Grilka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Quark's great. Rom's, Rom's even but, better, though. Rom is the top tier. Oh, yeah. Rom's Ferengi. fantastic. Best Ferengi. Um, uh, 
But yeah, there you go. I like the episode where they play baseball. Yes, that's great. Because <laughs> the Ferengi don't understand anything about baseball. Neither do the Vulcans, really. But, you know. Or was it Romulans? I forget. Death that. to the opposition. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody in that episode had any understanding yeah, of baseball except for Cisco. Like, yeah, and that's what made it great. Yeah, that's the thing. Because in the future of Star Trek, baseball is kind of a dead sport. And Cisco is just kind of a nerd because he's interested in it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the other thing yes. that makes it cool. <laughs> Yeah, like the last the last game of baseball was played in 2024. <laughs> right, uh, we're really coming up to it, huh? <laughs> yeah, we're baseball's about to yep. die. I hope everybody enjoys yeah, baseball. Yeah, the end of baseball goes along with the end of America. <laughs> it turns out, uh, enjoyed that. <laughs> See, I'd like it if it wasn't even that Cisco likes baseball. He was just reading one of the uh, issues of X Men. <laughs> He's like, oh man, this looks sick. Yeah, I love fastball specials. Wait, what do you mean? There's no he, Wolverine. He read, <laughs> he, he read. He saw that one bit. He got one clip from the Twilight movie. <laughs> I was backwards. 2042. So y'all got some time still if you, oh, if you want to enjoy America's sport. Enjoy a ball game or two before you're too old and baseball stops stops existing. Everyone. Um, wasn't there, like, a nuclear war in the Star Trek timeline yep. before that point? Oh, we're coming up to it. That was in the 90s. Like, Strange New Worlds reaffirmed that stuff. They said, like, the, the position of Star Trek lore now is that the current uh, shit show in the United States is the prelude to World War III, and then that leads to nuclear war, and then that leads to first contact after that. So that's like, Star Trek saw the shit with the right and everything and COVID and decided, you know what? Uh, that fits in our stuff, so we're going to include it. So <laughs> enjoy that much. Uh, watch the first episode of Strange New Worlds, New Worlds if you want to know more about that. By, by the way, just watch Strange New Worlds. It's a seriously really good Star Trek show. Uh, they basically just <laughs> met, uh, just made another TOS and it's like TOS in every way. It's exactly as stupid as TOS was. And I love it. Where is where is that one streaming in Canada? Uh, it's on Crave in Canada. Ah, uh. yeah, that's yeah, Crave, <laughs> the one no one likes, uh, but it's on there. They have all the all the Star Trek but, stuff but is on there. The point of streaming services is to not give your money to Rogers. Uh huh. I'm sorry. You, well, I mean, you, you have to give your money to someone. It's either going to be Rogers or Netflix yeah. or Disney or Amazon. So make your pick. They're all, they all suck actually. <laughs> or you could just pirate yeah. it. Pirate it. Um. But yeah, uh, yar har fiddle dee dee. <laughs> <laughs> yar. Um, the, so that's it for our episode on the Knox. Next week, uh, it's a bad one again. Yay! So you thought like the bad ones were done. Nope, we have another one. No. Uh, Brief candle is the planet that makes you old. Everyone, look forward to that one. Um, Oh, good. So uh, you can send questions to our Twitter at Jaffa Takes. Uh, you can send an email to jaffatakespodcast at gmail.com. You can join the Audio Entropy Discord server and like go to the Jaffa Takes channel if, if you just want to chat with people about Stargate and this podcast. Uh, you can listen to the bonus episode that M, you made about sliders uh, that was published last week, uh, just like yesterday from this recording. Uh, enjoy that one if you want to dive into a different sci-fi show uh <laughs> i've never like dipped if you want to slide into yeah, it <laughs> slide into it and into our dms wink wink um oh well, f- well while we're on the subject of that episode yeah. i did make a tweet about this mm-hmm. but oh dear lord um <laughs> so in that episode i said that i didn't think sliders got as had individual episodes as bad uh-huh. as stargate did 
I was wrong. Oh, you there poor like, fool. There are two <laughs> Misandry World pl- episodes oh, in no. the first season. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, 90s, 90s TV is kind of 90s TV. It's no like every show had some real stinkers like that for sure um sliders and stargate both no exception <laughs> uh yeah uh yeah so as i said next week uh, another one of those stinkers that is not so much uh racist or sexist or anything as it's just plain stupid and it's it's just bad uh but uh it has some fun bits to talk about so i hope you will join us then uh, let's do a round table now. Eric, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, let's see. What I would like to plug this week is Dreamcatcher, a K-pop group that I'm going to go see in Chicago on July 7th, and you should listen to their music because it is very good. Ooh, sounds good. K-pop, everyone. Get into it. Uh, Kavika, say goodbye in a funny way. Uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy is not ska. There you go. I don't. I don't understand anything you just said, but that's <laughs> that's for someone. I hope you're out there. Uh, <laughs> M, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M of Healy, and you know, go 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 listen to the Stargate the Star Sliders episode if you if you skipped it. Yeah, it, I think we did pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. I I approve of it, and uh, we had our guest uh, Jack on it, which he he's, he was also really good. So thank 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 you, Jack, if you're listening, for having been on that episode. Uh, really uh, saved us from having to put nothing out for that week. <laughs> it turns out. Uh, but thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. And until then, Ankri. <laughs>